Ah, that's funny. If you're a guest with us, you don't know why that's even funny. Over the last six weeks, we've been doing a series called Scared of Heights, and the video tech department has been making it worse on us every week, and we keep asking, do you want to go more? And, and, and these videos were really, really scary, so you have to go back and look at the podcast and, and such, you can see them all. And so last week, we said, don't miss this week, because it's going to be the worst of all, and we, we flipped it, didn't we? That was fun right there. Man, God is good, Amen. It's so good to be here this morning. I know it is the school break for February, and be praying. There's a lot of people sick. About a fifth of our whole staff is sick, and so, um, um, so, but we're not missing them much. Tom and Brantley, God bless them. No, 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 no. Place isn't the same without them, right? So, man, those babies on the video were cute, weren't they? Now, here's the thing. Like the last few weeks, we've been seeing like people fit. Trim, you know, powerful young men, young women climbing and going to heights that just blows your mind. And, and, and now we see something that's cute and it's precious, isn't it? Say precious. It's adorable. It's sweet. It's cute. And, and the thing is, though, last week, remember I told you last week that God was inviting us as a church, and I believe just as a church in general across the United States, that he is inviting us to the big leagues. Remember me saying that? Remember when we said that? And the reason why I kind of want to get back into that a little bit today is because to me, the church of Jesus Christ has been too cute too long. I like that. Y'all talking back at me this morning. I said the church of Jesus has been too cute for too long. Come in, we have our cute little song and our cute little sermon and our cute little poem and our cute little this and our cute little that. But sometimes cuteness won't change people, Amen. You need a touch of the move of the power and the presence of God. Amen? And so what's neat is next week we're starting a new series on the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want you to miss the start of that series. It's a three-week series. Don't miss it starting next Sunday. But today I want to kind of press into this idea too of, of, of maturing and of growing. And the topic we're going to be looking at today is one that really challenges us to maturity. You know, And in Hebrews it says this. I love this. It says... For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And this is where, I love this little video because it shows how cute these little kids are, but watch. He says, this is Paul, or the writer of Hebrews. Some say it could be Paul. Some say it was a different teacher, but most likely Paul. And he says this, he says, for by now you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Say a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. When I saw that video, all I could think of was, man, as a church, sometimes we can get stunted in our spiritual growth, and we go through life like children, always needing and never giving, you know? And if you're new to us, you know as a pastor, I'm not a big step on your toes, scream at you, make you feel bad, because I know that when I point my finger, there's three pointing right back at me. And I know I'm a little childish at times, too. And I've got to work through those tendencies, right? Those tendencies to be selfish and want what I want. Me, me, me. My, my, mine. Mwah. Everybody say, wah. I, I know that's a nature that we all have. 
And God wants us, this is the sixth week of the Scared of Heights series, and it's kind of the culmination of it all. And I'm challenging you to step up. I'm challenging you to rise in maturity and not be satisfied with milk, but go on to meat. And when you look at this passage, it says, by now you ought to be teaching. And as I got to thinking about that, I thought teaching is one element of the church. It's not the full element of the church. But can I just kind of paraphrase this a little bit? Now, this is Ross. This isn't God, okay? But when I paraphrase this, by now your life ought to be providing ministry to others. And that can mean a whole lot of things. That can mean your time. That can mean your talents. That can mean your treasure. But by now, the writer of Hebrews is challenging these people, don't be childish forever. God has called you to go to new heights. God has called you to walk in strength and to take people along with you and not to stay. And so with that idea, our lives by now should be providing ministry to others. Our lives by now should be bringing hope to others. Our lives by now should be making a difference in others. But he says, no. You want the milk. You want what's easy. You want what's spoon-fed. You want what makes you feel really good in your little tummies. Feel so good. My little Arden, oh my gosh, she's like this big. And now when I go to give her one bottle, it's not enough, and she's wanting another bottle. And not just that, then she's got the food that goes along with it, and her tummy just gets so full. She lays there just milk drunk. (laughs) You know, so cute. Oh, cuddly and cute. Like I said, I feel like the church of Jesus Christ, man, it's not time for us to be cute, amen? It's time for us to do a work for the Lord. It's time for us to make a difference in people's lives. And so as we look at this scripture here, he says you ought to be teaching. I'm saying you ought to be teaching and you ought to be serving. You ought to be giving. You ought to be eyes and minds in tune to the Holy Spirit so that God can speak in and through you wherever you go. And and we ought to, everybody say, grow up. We ought to do that, amen? And now in contrast, and I want us to stand to our feet because I do believe this is a picture of Momentum Church. I do. I don't think that this is a church of just people who just want to get, 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 get and be fed, 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 fed. And you don't serve. Our percentage of volunteers in this place is awesome. And when so many of you signed up to do serving a couple weeks ago when we talked about serving. And man, I'm so proud of you. This is an incredible place. Our giving at Momentum Church has been better than it's ever been before. It's an incredible place. I'm proud of you. And I think like Paul speaking to the Philippians, I think similar, my heart as your pastor would speak to you guys very similarly. And it says this in Philippians chapter 1. This stands in stark contrast to the Hebrews that we just read about. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Watch this. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's thanking them for their partnership in the gospel. What it takes to propel the good news of Jesus Christ forward. He's saying, y'all have been a partner. And anytime I think about you, my heart is full of joy. Because I know you get it. 
I know you know what it means to climb high and to take others higher with you. And I know it can be scary, but from the first time I met you, you received the word, he said. And from that day until now, you have helped partner to take the gospel around the known world at the time. And then I'm going to let you sit down here in just a second, but it says, let me say it one more time, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He is Jesus, and he's begun a good work in you and we use this scripture often to tell people hold on to your promise whatever God has for you he is going to complete it hold on to your promise but you know what your promise is fulfilled because it's not talking about the stuff you want it's talking about the savior you have it's talking about spiritual formation and the idea that he is in you Isn't he our hope of glory, our hope of the good things, amen? And it says here that he who begins that good work, in other words, the work of establishing his character in us, he is faithful and just to complete it until Jesus comes, until we look like him, walk like him, talk like him. Isn't that good? And so it's not just about us getting our stuff. It's about the character of Christ being formed in your life. Man, it's not time to be cute. It's time to walk up into the character of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, right now, I ask that you would help us today to swallow some some tough words, some strong words, God. Help us today, Lord, to embrace, Lord God, what you're challenging us to, that we might go higher and take others with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. The core value that we're looking at this week, we've been looking at our six core values as a church, and they're nothing if they're not your values, the church is just where we show up. I have a hard time calling this place a, a church. Most of the time, if I say I'm going to here, I say I'm going to the building, you know? And I feel really awkward when we got the new building, calling the old building the old church and the new building the new church, because I'm like, man, we got 400-some churches in this church. You know what I mean? You are the temple of Jesus Christ. And so we started calling the old building Nomo and the new building Numo. And so this is Numo, but when we come together, we're the house of God. We are the church. I get that, the called out group, but the ecclesia, the word for church in the, in, in, in the Greek, it literally means a called out group for a specific purpose. And so we are called out together to do, say to do. To do, to do what? To propel the gospel, to, to do what it takes that the good news might be embraced by others. This is what Paul was admonishing the church of Philippi about. This is what Paul was frustrated with the church, the Hebrews, there about. You know, he was coming kind of against them. And so here's what this core value is. It's, it's it, this. It's an invitation to climb higher in this area. Inspirational generosity. And remember I said God is forming his character within us? Watch this. We as a church, we value, you know, let's say this out loud all together. Ready? We value expressing the sacrificial character of Christ by allowing generosity in every way to become second nature. We call this the extra mile lifestyle. Man, the generosity of Christ, his sacrificial character, not just in finances, but in every way we want to model that character of Christ. Amen? I hope Momentum people are some of the most generous people with their time, generous people with their talent, definitely generous with their finances, but I hope people will see the character of Jesus in our lives. And I do, I hear this. I hear this often when I talk to the people in the city. I hear this often when I talk to Donnie Henriquez, our mayor. When you talk to to Mr. Henriquez, man, he will just brag on this place because he sees the character of Christ being formed in you. I love that. 
And it's not about you. It's about Jesus being seen. But I want to be known that, man, it's, it's, we're synonymous with the character and the heart of Jesus. It's, it's not momentum is seen more than Jesus. You know, it's that what we do, Jesus is seen more than us. And people see our hearts lining up to the heart of Jesus. Amen? We cannot do that if we do not mature. We can't if we don't grow into the full measure, the full character of what Jesus is forming in us. We can't. We will be those that always need milk, always need fed, and not be those that are feeding and doing the, the, the ministry. Amen? And so here we see this invitation to climb higher. And, and like I've been saying the last few weeks, when you climb the new heights, you experience things that make it worth the pursuit of your death, death destination. It's not easy to climb the new heights, but it is so worth it. Amen? Last week, we saw that when we accept the invitation to climb higher, it positions us to take others with us to new heights. So it's not just about us. How many in this room, you came because a friend invited you? Raise your hand. Look around. You see all those hands? Oh, come on. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. I came because I started the church. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I guess kind of kidding. (laughs) I want you to open your Bibles over to Mark chapter 6. So we're going to break this scripture down today. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6. And I was just thinking as I've looked, and we've looked at the scripture recently. We've been just all in and out of Jesus and his interactions with people during this series. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's really important to be in and out of the things of Jesus, right? Because we are what? Christians. That makes sense, right? And so um, I, I want to teach at times things about self-help. I think that's good. But Jesus will help you, and when you submit yourself to Jesus, you'll find help. Come on, you know? And so I think everything goes back to Jesus. And so we see this passage of Scripture, and it's one of the most inspiring stories of provision. Jesus, he was always talking and taking people with him to new heights of understanding. He was always taking people with him to new places of of revelation, if you will, of understanding. He was also taking people with him throughout his ministry to new places of provision. Like when we looked at the woman at the well, that provision of grace, that provision of a a fulfillment for the longing of her heart that could never be found in no matter how many men she went through. Come on, single ladies, right? You know? God's always bringing this provision, and Jesus shows us that. And so in this passage of Scripture, it's, it's much the same way. And this is the feeding of the 5,000. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. There's always going to be a great crowd. If we'll look, he saw, he looked to them. He didn't turn his back on them and go back into his place of respite. He didn't turn his back on them and say, come on, let's keep finding a place that's even more desolate. You know, now rest is important. We need Sabbath. We need rest. But in this moment, you see that their personal desires and personal needs for the moment, they're going to set aside. Why? Because there was a great crowd that had need, and it says Jesus had compassion on them. 
Last week we learned that that word compassion, it didn't mean just some uh, passive pity, but it was a very active compassion. It's that your eyes see something that causes your stomach, literally the Greek word is like your stomach is wrenched so by the passion that you have to make a difference that you can't help but doing something, but to do something. Amen? And so this is the kind of thing that is happening in this moment. Yet again, I love that you just see Jesus always so full of compassion. And so in verse 34, we see that, that there's that idea of compassion. Why? Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. There are people that are in need. And I want as a church to see stories of lives being touched through you and through this place. I want to see those stories multiply. I want to see those stories not have addition, but to have multiplication. Just dozens and dozens of people whose lives have been made different because of Jesus Christ. And because you did what it took to show them generosity of time and talent and treasure. And you reached into their lives and God moved through you and did a mighty work in them. I want to see that. It goes on in verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away, go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat. This is, this is what the disciples are, are hoping for. You know, They just want to send them away. Send them, uh, basically, it is easier just to send them away. Nobody said being generous would be easy. The disciples at this moment, they realize there's thousands here that need fed. Let's let them go into the city and feed themselves. Didn't we come out here to rest in the first place, Jesus? Didn't we come have a break and now you've had us all afternoon here? They've been teaching great. It's time, man. Let them go feed themselves. But he answered them. He said, you give them something to eat. He answered them and said, come on, big league boy. You're not a child. You have something to give. You give them something to eat. Kind of put the disciples back on their heels. It gave them a check. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? 200 days work, worth of work. That's how much a t- that 200 denarii would be. And buy bread to feed this multitude. Should we do that? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. In other stories of the same narrative, you'll see that it was a young boy that had a lunch. And he had some fish and some bread. Amen. The little boy's happy meal. And this is what's being asked. And so the thing is, in verse 38, what they didn't look like, what didn't look like too much to them, it looked, if you think about it, it looked like everything to that little boy. I mean, think about it. The disciples are going, there's so many people. Should we go spend a couple hundred dollars or uh, more than that, 200 days worth of of earnings to feed them all? That sounds like a lot. lot. And so they're saying, we don't have that. And the little boy's like, I have this. And they look at that. That's not that much. Well, yeah, it wasn't that much to the disciples. But to that little boy who had enough sense to bring a lunch, (laughs) you know, that was everything he had. That's, that, that was so much to that little guy. And there's people in this room that, that when I talk about money, it scares you because you have a little. <clears throat> but I've, I've said this a thousand times in my ministry. You have a little, but little is much in the hands of God. And a lot is never enough when you hold on to it without placing it into the hands of God. We've been down that road, every one of us in this room. We know, we know. 
And so you see here in verse 39, then, the, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And I never thought of that until, until studying for this. It hit me when I was reading that, oh my gosh, they don't have the stuff yet. All they have is the bread and the fish. That's it. And Jesus says, we got to figure out how to feed these people. We better organize this. So get them broken down into groups so that... Uh, Jesus, we don't have any, we don't need groups. We don't need, we don't have nothing to give them. Why are we going to set them into, because Jesus knew it's coming, all right? And the thing is, you might as well start to prepare like it's going to happen. You might as well start acting and moving in preparation that the supply is on its way. And that's the picture of that. Last year, about this time, we did our capital campaign. We called it Beyond the Box because we were looking to get this building. And we needed some finances. They wanted $150,000 down for us to come into this place. And then it's a lease purchase. And we're raising the rest of the funds now to be able to procure this place. But I can remember telling the people, we're calling Beyond the Box because it's not about the box. It's about people. Beyond the box. The box is just a toolbox. It's just a place we house this stuff. The ministry is outside the four walls of the church. And so we were into three services at the old building. And we said, you know what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and give. We started preparing. We started acting like we're getting to have this building. We talked with lawyers. We did all the stuff you're supposed to do. At one point, I looked to the realtor. I was right here in this aisle. And I told him, I said, when I feel like the Lord says this is what we're supposed to do, I'll tell you. And when I tell you that, it's our building. And he looked at me kind of like, okay, sure, you know. <laughs> and we took up a big offering on Palm Sunday. And that was allow us as a church, I just wanted to see, God, are the people, is there confidence that we can do this? And we prepared like we were getting it, you know. We went ahead, we told the people, if we don't get it, we won't miss the next opportunity. That money will be in the bank <coughs> for what God has for us next. But you guys, man, you showed out on Palm Sunday. Large first-time gift that was able for us to show that leadership team of this church that we meant business and that, that we weren't a joke, you know. But we set things in motion. In other words, set people down, get ready because the supply is coming. And you know what happened? Your butts are sitting in what happened. It's exciting, amen? Amen. And so we got a nicer toolbox. That's all we got. We got a nicer toolbox. Amen? You are the house of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and so um, he got them all organized. And then he said, in taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and fish. And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. And so as we finish that out, there's a few things that I see in this. I want to see stories of lives being touched through you and through this place of ministry. I want to see that, not, not just additional stories, but multiplied stories of what God is doing in people. I want to see that in this house. We are seeing that already, but I want to continue to see that in greater, greater measure. And there are two keys when it comes to the multiplication in the kingdom of God that we can see in this passage of Scripture. Two keys. The first key that we can see is this. Number one, something must be blessed before it can multiply. He, he took the bread, they gave him that bread, he took the bread, and he blessed the bread. 
In order for that to multiply, in order for that miracle to happen, something has to be blessed first. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He blessed that. But check this out. You listening, everybody? In order for it to be blessed, it must be first placed in the hands of Jesus. Do you catch that? So a blessing has to take place. You will not change people's lives because you don't have an anointing from God apart from Jesus. But Jesus, through you, can touch and change the world. Amen? But you have something to offer yourself to be able to lay your time, your talent, your resources into the hands of God and say, God, if you can use me. Man, you used a donkey to deliver your word. Thank God I know you can use me, you know. And I lay my life before you, God, whatever you can do in and through me. And that's the heart that we have as we place our lives into the hands of Jesus. Now, when I think of that church that, that was written about earlier in our, our talk today, you know, when I think about that church, I think they were still gimme, gimme, bless me, bless me, touch me, touch me. I want, I want, fill me, fill me. I want to be like that church in Philippi. That church that partners up with what God is doing. And as I do that, the character of Christ is being formed in me. And ministry is going into other people's lives. And the character of Jesus is being formed in them. That's what I want to see. That's the mark I want on our lives here at this house. Amen. And so we place it into the hands of Jesus. Now here's the thing. Momentum for years we grew by addition. You know that? For years, we grew and we grew, and, and a few years ago, we were averaging at eh, 200 people, 225, right in that range, you know, and we stayed around that range for probably four years, and, and we had life stories, nothing like we're experiencing now, but we had life stories, we had life change, you know, but it was a season of addition that was powerful, but in the past couple of years, people, listen, have sacrificed and have given like they've never given and sacrificed before. And we have literally doubled since this time two years ago. As a church, we've literally doubled. Now, this is a holiday week, so it's down a little bit. But just so you guys know the church you're a part of, we were about 215 people on average this quarter two years ago. And now we're about 430 people on average this quarter. Isn't that cool? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if it's just for us to look at ourselves and go praise our names, then it's all for naught, you know? It's not beyond the box. It's just the box. <laughs> right? I'm tired of that. How many's tired of that? If you're tired of it, you've got to live like that outside the four walls of this church. Be because if you don't live anything different, if you don't have that drive outside the four walls of this church, then we're nothing different. We're just a place you show up once a week and we do church. God doesn't want us to do church. He wants us to be the, the church. Man, that's inspirational, isn't it? You, you've been inspired by people that are just generous. Their generosity just makes you want to be a better person, you know? That's the anointing I want on the house. That's what I want God to do in and through us, just to be a generous people in every way, in every way. And so we see here that those stories we've had have been awesome and powerful as people had found the compassion of Jesus and also the compassion of this body, the compassion Jesus has through us. It's been awesome. 
But I believe God is going to do multiplied. He's done that in the last two years, multiplied blessings in the last two years. So that's the first thing we see, is that if something's going to multiply, it has to be blessed by God. It can't be blessed by God unless it's first placed in his hands. And this is a principle. Please take this principle out of the idea of money for a second, all right? Let's talk relationships, and I won't ponder on here long, but you're here today, and you're going, I know this isn't a God-honoring relationship I'm in, but you're still in it. (laughs) What I mean by that is is you know that you're not going to give it to him, but you're praying for his blessing upon it. It it doesn't work that way. Does that make sense? If you know this thing isn't God-honoring, Either you walk away from it or you give it to him, but you don't keep moving forward in that. Does that make sense? That's easy for me to say. It's hard for you to live out. I get that. That's why Christ is formed in us, and he is patient, and he is good, and we won't look down our noses at you, that self-righteousness, because we know he's forming things in our own lives. Amen? But I'm just saying, you can see this principle. I just don't want you to, sometimes you start talking about money, and everybody shot, they kind of back up their heart, and they don't realize, no, these are principles that apply to a lot of things. And so God wants to bless that in your life, whatever it is, but he won't bless that, say that, that, unless you give him that, unless you place it in his hands. The second thing that we can see here when it comes to the idea of multiplication, we see in verse 41 through 43 as well, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them, and they all ate and were satisfied. He broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He gave them to the disciples to give to the people. And so the second thing is only that which is, is given away can multiply. It, it, what you hold on to never multiplies. Seed doesn't do any good in the barn. Seed does really good in the soil. And so we don't hold on to the seed that we have, our time, our talent, and our treasure. We let it go. We give it away. And in giving it away, there's the opportunity for it to multiply. Each of the disciples you see here got to serve. I love this. And they got to share in the blessing of Jesus' ministry. As they, how many is that you've served people and you walked away more blessed than they were? I love that, you know. You, you do for others, and you walk away going, that was awesome. I will never forget the guys on the hillside last week, and it was just such a simple thing, but on the hillside, waving, momentum. And I looked up, and they're all waving, and we just gave them lunch. That was all. Just some workers working downtown Woodstock, and we just provided some lunch for them. And man, that was just, a, ah, it felt good. Felt good in my heart probably more than the bologna sandwiches we made. <laughs> felt in their stomachs, you know? They were appreciative of the bologna sandwiches. And so each of us as disciples of Christ, all of us, we have that opportunity to serve, and then God allows us to share. He always pours back into his vessels, always. That's just his nature. And as you see the rest of that story, you saw there was 12 baskets full. Everybody was satisfied, and then there was 12 baskets full. How many disciples? You've heard this preached before. God didn't let them go empty as they served. God provided for them as well. Amen? And so here's the thing, they're ministering. I thought Jesus was ministering. No, no, they were feeding the 5,000. <coughs> I really believe what happened, they got everybody seated, and then Jesus took the bread and he broke it, and he hands a chunk, half a chunk, 
to one of the disciples. And that disciple takes that half a chunk and goes, well, I know I got half a chunk, and he has a half a chunk. There's no way this is going to last, you know? But I got my portion I'm supposed to take care of, and so I'm going to take that chunk, and I'm going, and as he gave it, there was more to get. <laughs> what in the world? This would be awesome. And so he gives again. Hey, there's more to give. And they gave, and they give. The, the miracle happened right in the midst of their giving, right in the midst of what they were doing. They were the ministers of the gospel. Isn't that cool? Jesus did the miracle, amen? But they administered, they ministered the miracle. And it was happening right before them. You know what that's called? Partnership. Remember the church of Philippi? I thank you for the partnership that you've given in the gospel. That's what that is. And here's the, the thing. There's wrong views that we have often in the church that we've got to write. The wrong view is this. The pastor is a minister and does the ministry. That's a wrong view. Here's another wrong view. The church is a ministry and the church ministers. Not, eh, wrong view. Ready for a right view? Believers are ministers and do ministry. And you know what's neat about ministry? Ministry inspires. When you're serving people and loving on people and you're giving and, and we can support. I tell you just a few weeks ago, the Cooper family, they're on their way to Kenya and something got messed up with their support and they needed more cash to be able to get their plane tickets and get off and, and to, the, to, to be able to do what they had to do. They also needed some more monthly support, you know? And, and it was just, it was awesome because of your faithfulness in giving. I was able to get a hold of, of, of Brother Cooper and just tell him, it's taken care of. Don't worry about it. We got you. You know, and we increased our monthly support of him so that he could get on the field in Kenya. They do video ministry all throughout all of Africa, based out of Kenya, but all the assemblies of God throughout the, the continent of Africa. He is the man when it comes to that. He is the guy that does all their video production, all the stuff that they do. And you got to help put him on the field a couple weeks ago. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. It was inspiring. <coughs> he was inspired. He was full of hope. He was thrilled. Ministry, it fills people with hope. And so I want to challenge you to live to inspire and to give to inspire, all right? Live to inspire and give to inspire. Put your finances in motion to do ministry. That's my invitation to you to climb higher. And there's two areas as a church. Obviously, time and talent we need, but treasure we need as well. And there's two areas as a church that you can do this. The first area is through tithes. Through tithes. That's that giving of one-tenth of what you earn, and, and you bring it to the storehouse. You bring it here, and you sow that. And I'm inviting some people here to some scary new heights just by saying that. You know, are you kidding me, Ross? I can't. You're absolutely right. You can't. You can't. But you know what? You can discipline your spending so you can. It may take some time, but a child doesn't act like a mature adult. A mature adult has learned through discipline how to act responsibly. Amen? That's the difference. And this is an invitation to climb higher. And the first area is in that area of your tithing. The second area I want to challenge you in 2016 is to climb higher in the area of the Beyond the Box campaign. All right? Last year at this time, we had very little funds to make this happen. It was a miracle of God that we were able to raise the couple hundred thousand dollars that took place, and we were able to come in here. Amazing miracle of God. And I just believe, God, there's a miracle waiting for us again. 
I was, I'm so afraid to even say this today. I'll just be honest. I'm like, God, I, I'm holding a lump of bread that I know, Christy or admin, we're holding lumps of bread, kiddo, that I know won't be enough. But God's saying, organize the people. Set them out. Get ready. My provision's coming. It's all right. Trust me. Oh, Lord, it's so hard. But we're going to trust him, amen? And so what the Beyond the Box campaign was, at this time last year, we challenged Everybody, we have so many more, more people here, but we challenged them to give the biggest offering they could possibly give on Palm Sunday. We had people give $5,000. We had people give three, $1,500. We had people, we had somebody give $52,000, you know? Yeah, everybody's like, wow, I would like to be that person. <laughs> that person didn't start off giving like that. I'm just being honest. They, they gave small, and they've learned to, to grow into that. And God's blessed them. It was a miraculous day, you know. But it allowed us to see kind of the heart of the body and where we were at. And God, okay, we're breaking it off. We're, we're going to take that next step. And so here's the things. On Palm Sunday, four weeks from today, we would love for you to bring the biggest gift you can. Now, if last year you did that already, I'm not saying you have to. If the Lord would grace you to do that again, do it. Amen? But also on that day... As you leave today, they're giving you a card, or when you came in, a beyond-the-box pledge card, and we want you to pledge for a year, from April to next March, your monthly commitment that you can give to the Beyond the Box campaign, all right? And, and what that is for, it'll allow us to get the rest of the finances we need for this facility, okay? But as we do that, we're going to go ahead and borrow what we need at the time to build the 500-seat sanctuary right back here, amen? That's cool. That is cool. Cam's happy about it. <clears throat> and so you're sitting in the student center. This will become the student center, and then we'll build the 500-seat sanctuary back here on this little pad back here. Um, it's the most reasonable financially uh, way that we can do it, to be quite honest. So that's where we're going to move toward. And, um, and the thing about it, that 500, or right around 500 is very specific, um, it forces us to still stay intimate. Imagine this room. This room has 250 seats, so it'd be twice this many seats. That's it, okay? So it forces our body. How many likes that we feel intimate? As a, as a board last week, we looked at this because we knew we were going to be presenting this to you, and there's things in me going, oh, man, we came into here with 250 seats, and we're, we're, we're already, this is a slow week, but most weeks, it's packed, both services, you know? Maybe we should go 750 seats, you know? And as a leadership team looking at it, it's like, no, no, that's too many in a room. It won't feel intimate, you know? Well, what, what do we do? If you're here new and you don't know the long-term vision of momentum, well, what do we do? Tell people not to come to church anymore? No, no. But that's what this property can handle. And man, we got good preachers and we got amazing worship teams and kids ministry leaders. And there's people sitting here right now. God has a call on your life. And there'll be a day when we'll take 150 of us or 200 of us and we'll go across town and plant another momentum church. Amen? Amen? And it'll grow to four or 500 people and still feel big enough to partay, <laughs> but small enough to feel intimate. Because when it gets so many people, you stop being accountable. You just become a number. I'm not saying that, I, God bless the big churches. I get that, you know? I want to be a big church. I want to be a big movement. Let's say it that way. I just want it to feel intimate and responsible and accountable. And Does that make sense? And not all on my shoulders, you know? That's why we got other good preachers. God, God it's going to be awesome. So I just want you to know, as you sow into this, 
this, it's not, okay, now the next thing we're going to do is this. No, no, the next thing after that, we'll be looking off campus to start another work, you know, wherever there's a big majority of people, you know. So we probably won't be going to, um, I don't know where. I was trying to make a joke, but I can't think of something. (laughs) (coughs) And so what are we looking to raise? We'd like to raise about $250,000 more. About $250,000 more. That'll put us in a good position to get that loan. Um, it also puts us in a good position that we may not quite need that much. You know, we'll be able to, to um, offset some things through cash expense right then, you know. And so, um, so that's what we're believing God for. Last year we raised just a little over 200000 you know. I believe this year we can do that, 250000 And so, again, if you have committed already last year, I would implore you to do again this year. Amen? If, if, if a lot of times in a building campaign, old school, you would do a three-year campaign before you ever have anything. And so we would have done a three-year campaign and then bought a building like this. God was so good to us. He allowed us to do a year and be occupying, you know, growing, seeing lives change. And now we get to continue to do that. That's pretty awesome. And so um, just be praying about those things. Amen? I want you to close your, your, your eyes for just a moment. Jesus... Help us, Lord, to, to, to see that, that inspirational generosity, you are seen through that. Lives see what you do in and through us, and they're drawn to you, Jesus, and you change them. Lord, continue to help us to realize it's not about chasing buildings and chasing bigger boxes. But God, give us the capacity we need that we can do something significant and powerful out of this 659 Arnold Mill Road location. Give us that, God. And Father, right now, we know without you providing, that bread won't multiply. Ministry won't multiply. And so we need your anointing and your touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.